So if you're watching online this morning, the, the link is in the chat. Um, for, for the rest of us here, we're once again looking at Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. I'm reading from the New International Version. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for your words. We do thank you for the way that it challenges us, the way that it calls us to repentance, the way that it invites us into your story. And Holy Spirit, as we think and we pray together today and we reflect on these events from the book of Acts, we ask, Lord God, that we will hear your voice above everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I sound a bit echoey up here. I don't know if that is um, something that's coming through on the speakers or at home. I've got a bit of an alien thing going on. That sounds better. Good. Well, we've been, uh, we've been in this passage now for a couple of weeks uh, as a church, looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. As we, as a church, begin to think about what our vision is, who we're called to be, where we're called to go as the body of Christ here at Hope Baptist Church over the coming weeks and months and years. And as I've said before, our vision is pretty simple. It's the great commission and it's the great commandment that we are to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if you've been with us the past few weeks online or in person, hopefully, if it's not cut out on you, you have realized that we've been looking at this particular passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47, for a number of weeks together now. We've camped out here, and what we see in this particular passage, really, is the outworkings of these two statements, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. What we effectively see is the completeness of community life. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's believing, and to fellowship, that's belonging. All the believers had everything in common, that's serving. Everyone was filled with awe and wonders at the signs performed by the apostles, that's impacting. And the Lord added to their number daily, those that were being saved, that's multiplying. And this is where I want us to focus this morning. Zoe is going to bring this series to an end next week, looking at the impacting element of this particular passage. But today, that phrase, the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved, is where we're going to say. And as I've said before, this is who we want to be. 
What we see here in the book of Acts doesn't have to be a theoretical concept. Things will look vastly different. Yes, after all, we're in the 21st century and we're talking about really the early church here in its fledgling stages. But the principles, what we see before us, are very much real and very much the same. We want to be a church that multiplies. Not because we want to be the biggest congregation in the city, the largest numerically is not our aim. But because there are people in this city who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, our vision has to be to grow. All the time there are people here among us who do not know Jesus, that has to be our aim. You know, I am not interested in being a Christian club. We're called to love God, we're called to love people, and we're called to be on mission together. You know, growth is a sign of life. In any form of life, growth is a sign of it. Did you know there are parts of your body which never stop growing? Your earlobes never stop growing. Some of the cartilage in your nose never stops growing. Your nails and your, on your toes and your hands never stop growing. The moment they stop growing, you're dead. And what's true for our bodies is true for the church as well. Growth within the life of the church has to be a sign of life. I wonder what your experience of church growth is up until this point. If I am honest, I've never really experienced for myself growth anywhere near the scale that we see here in the book of Acts. In my last post in Honiton, we had a number of successful growth stories. We were a church of about 20 when I took over there. Then we grew to a church of about 100. And many people looked at that and said, hey, God's really moving here. This is a real success story. But if we were to drill down into the figures a little bit, Over the course of my six years there, we baptised 15 people. Again, some churches would say, we'd love to baptise 15 people in that time. But, do the maths, what we're equating to there is probably a conversion rate of two and a half people, if you can get half a person, every single year. When you look at it like that, you think, really? Is this growth? I mean, I wonder what Hope's story has been over the years. I don't really know. And I'm genuinely curious to that question. There is no doubt that hope has seen growth. But I'm curious, I wonder, let's just say for the last five years, for example, if you have joined the church in the last five years, I'd love for you to indicate to me, whether you're in the room or online, if you have joined the church in the last five years, did you become a Christian because of the ministry of this place? Or were you already a Christian before you came here? If you're in the room and you became a Christian because of the ministry of this place over the last five years, just raise your hand where you are. It'd be really helpful. And if you're online, maybe write, I did. Because we've got got a few in the room, but not many. The reality is, like for so many churches... When we talk about growth, we're talking about numerical growth as in bums on seats on a Sunday, and we don't necessarily equate real transformational growth. And believe me, I am not knocking the ministry of this church or any church. The church has done some wonderful, incredible things, and in so many ways, when you look at Hope Baptist Church, you would look at it and say, this is a vastly successful church. And there might be some people that tell me off today for even talking about numbers in this way because they'll say you can't really equate ministry and and, and success with numbers. I personally disagree with that 
there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers, and guess what it's about? It's about numbers. But at the very least, whatever your take on growth is and successful growth and what that looks like, as the church, we have to ask the question, why isn't our experience the same as what we read here in the Bible? Why do we not see the Lord add to our number regularly those who are being saved, not just daily, but even regularly? Why is it that we don't see that many people in reality come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? Are we not telling enough people about Jesus? Do we not pray enough about this? Do we not grasp the consequences of dying apart from Jesus? And therefore, we don't really take it seriously. So as we begin to open up as a church, as we begin to come back together, I really believe that the church in general, not just the church here, but the church in general, stands on the cusp of a unique opportunity and a unique danger too. The danger is that we will come back together and simply click back into our old modes of being. If we do that, what we will probably find is that we are a smaller version of what we once had. You know, we haven't been together for pushing on 18 months. And as a result of that, properly being together over that time, there is inevitability that some people probably won't be here in this room when we come back together. Some over that time have passed away. Some have moved away. Some have moved away from their faith. And as a result, don't necessarily want to be part of the community anymore because it's been such a difficult season for so many. And should we do that, we will click back into how things were eventually, and those who are part of the fellowship and the congregation will enjoy being together again. We'll start up the programs that were always there. And it will be for those, at least, a part of it, like we have never been a part eventually. But we still won't be having the impact that I believe the church is called to have. I think it was Einstein, wasn't it, who says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If all of our aim is just to come back to church and come back to this building and meet together again and gather together again, are we really expecting the people of Plymouth to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour? And with that in mind, as a church, the question that we should be asking is not when is this group reconvening or when is that group reconvening? The question that we should be asking is, God, what are you calling us to do in this new season in order to reach the lost? So what does this passage teach us about growth in the Bible and in the life of the church, I wonder? Notice... Now, in this passage that we've read together today, when we're talking about growth, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, never writes, the Lord added to their number daily through the preaching of the apostles. Now, I am sure that the apostles' preaching played a part. Today, we celebrate Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers, when believers went out into the streets, and the most powerful sermon which was ever given was preached where 3,000 people were cut to the heart and said, what must I do to be saved? And they found Jesus Christ for themselves. But 
when we look at how the church grew from here on in, that doesn't appear to be the prevalent model. Notice, every day they continued to meet and to gather in the temple courts. They met, they were committed to a large gathering, but they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice that the model that we see here in the book of Acts is not come to our church service, although they were committed to a large gathering and large crowds met together to worship God. It was, we're going to go out and we're going to live our lives among the people and we are going to show you Jesus by the way that we live. It wasn't a come and see model, it was a go and be model. And how was that modelled? Well, what we see in verse 47 is that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. What we see here is personal witness through words, through the scriptures and testimony and through life. It was a dual thing. They met together. They were real together. They praised God together. And as a result, it opened the door because people saw something within them for personal testimony. And who is the ultimate evangelist here? It's God. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. God has been the one who made it grow. God uses our efforts. He uses the events that we put on. He uses evangelistic preaching. But our role is to make sure that we are in the right place in order to be used. As ultimately, it's him who saves. It's not us who saves. So once again, the challenge is simple this morning. How is your heart? Are you meeting together regularly with other believers, praising God with a glad and sincere heart? Or are you isolating yourself at the moment? What else does this passage teach us about how the church grew? I believe that in this passage, what it does is it teaches us that we need to see and we need to understand the whole picture of the church. The trap that the church often falls in when we look at this particular piece of scripture is that we take verse 42 in isolation. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we say, this is the church. This is who we are. This is what we are about. We're about learning, we're about fellowship, we're about breaking of bread, and we're about prayer. And the way that that so naturally translates in the life of the church is come to our Sunday service. This is how church and community should look. But we need verse 47 to understand the full picture of who we are called to be. The first fledgling church in Jerusalem weren't so preoccupied with learning and sharing and worshipping that they forgot about witnessing. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit and he created a missionary church. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit and he's created a missionary church. And if we are to grow as a church in a way that I believe that God is calling us to grow, then we need to understand the full picture. 
If all we do is focus on learning and we don't focus on witnessing, we end up growing spiritually fat, arguing over theology and falling out over things which in the light of eternity don't really matter. But if all we do is end up reaching out without focusing on good theology, then we simply become a social action project which has no real lasting impact on people's lives. We need to understand who we are meant to be as a church, a group of people who love God, who love people, and are on mission together. Let me ask you this. When you first became a believer, what was it that excited you about being part of the church? Was it community? Was it learning? What was it for you, I wonder? For me, I genuinely believe that when I gave my life to Christ, I was joining a group of people who were literally going to change the world. So much so that when I lived in Portsmouth as a teenager, me and a couple of friends, we would make our own tracks. And honestly, they were rubbish. I mean, the theology on them was good. We told people the gospel, but the tracks were rubbish. We just drew out little cartoons about what it meant to be a Christian and went into town and started handing these things out because I was so fired up and so sure that actually this group of people that I was now part of, my new family, were going to shake up the world. And I genuinely still do believe that that is the case. But over time, I found out how easy it is to have that passion knocked out of me. How easy it is to fall in the trap of simply keeping the show on the road. How easy it is to fall into the trap of trying to make everyone happy. And I learned very quickly that that is an impossible task. What is it that drew you to the church? What is it which excited you about being part of this family? What if, in the midst of this season that we find ourselves in, God is saying to us, it's time to get back to what it's all about? I've never met a Christian that told me the thing which excited me about being part of the church was being on a rotor. I was looking forward so much to being on the washing up rotor, the coffee rotor, the kids rotor, that I said I had to start going to church. What does it mean for vision here at Hope in this next season? If we ask those questions, God, what are you calling us to be? Who are you calling us to be? And what are you calling us to do? Well, first and foremost, please hear me this morning. I am not in any way, shape or form proposing that we are going to stop meeting together on a Sunday. I am not in any way, shape or form saying that we are not going to do this. I am longing for this building to be full again. I am longing for the group of believers who were here back in 2020 at the start of that year to be back together, worshipping God over a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. But if we are to be the church in its truest form and the truest expression of who God is calling us to be, then mission has to be in our DNA. And by mission, what I'm not talking about is simply putting on an event and saying, come to this, come to this, putting on something where we hope they might hear something of the gospel and then they go away and it has no real impact on their lives. I'm talking about us as the people of God, positioning ourselves to live lives where Jesus is Lord, they see Jesus is Lord, they see who we are and what Jesus is about and therefore the Lord adds to the number daily those who are being saved. I want to put a map up on the screen now if possible. 
Take a look at this map, which is just about to come up. We're talking about gathering again together as a church, aren't we? We're looking forward to that day. But this building is not Hope Baptist Church. This building that we are in right now is the property of Hope Baptist Church. But what you see before you on this screen is Hope Baptist Church. These little red dots on this screen represent where everyone who is currently on our database lives across this city. This is Hope Baptist Church. We are totally and utterly spread out across this city. But go a little further. Let's look at this next map that's going to come up as well. Actually, what we see is that Hope Baptist Church is spread out even further than that. We have people at Hope Baptist Church who come from Saltash, from Tavistock, from Brentor, from Yelverton, from Horrorbridge, from Wembury, from Plimstock, from Callington, from Tamerton Foliot, from Cornwood, from South Brent. What if... Over time, some of these little groups of people intentionally position themselves where they were at in order to do mission in their locations. For some, that might mean that this Sunday gathering is not their main focus. But actually, little groups of missional expressions of Hope Baptist Church begin to pop up right across this city. Please hear me right, I'm talking very much hypothetically at the moment. But on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people who gathered in an upper room. They gathered and they prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and then suddenly the walls began to shake. Tongues of fire began to rest upon their heads. And this group of people who gathered there that day ended up shaking up the world. What if this group of people, known as Hope Baptist Church, spread out across this city and beyond, positioned themselves in such a way that the Lord added to their number daily? What difference could this group of people make in Plymouth? How could this city be transformed? Coronavirus has led us to a unique position to ask the question, God, what is it you're calling us to be? Who is it that you are calling us to be in this next season? We, as the Church of Jesus Christ, will be committed to gathering together in a large way once again. I really want us to do that, but I also, as the church, really want us to begin to think outside the box and think outside of these four walls that we find ourselves into for the sake of the lost. You know, I have been part of church now for about 20 years. And ever since I walked into a church as a bright-eyed teenager, the church has been praying for exactly the same thing. Revival. Lord, send revival. And every church that I've been part of have heard the same phrase uttered as well. If we want to see revival, first and foremost, revival must start with us. What if... God, during this season, is beginning to position us for just that. Suddenly, all the clutter which has filled church, we have filled church with, the endless ministries, the endless need for volunteers to step up, who we eventually burn out and make incredibly busy, 
has been cleared. And for a moment, maybe, just maybe for a moment, we can begin to see a little bit more clearly now. What if in this season, God is positioning us for growth, for genuine growth? God's willing, in a month or so's time, this pool that's in front of us will be open again, this baptistry here. It will be the first time for about 18 months that we have had baptisms here in this pool. And that's something to celebrate. One of the reasons it has been closed, obviously, is because of coronavirus. But hey, it's not the only reason. My hope and my prayer for us as a church that this pool is open on a monthly basis. Why can't this pool be open on a monthly basis where we are genuinely meeting with people and they're experiencing Jesus Christ for themselves and as a result, choosing to get baptised? As a church, our vision is to grow. Our vision is to multiply, not so that we can be the biggest and shiniest church in this city, but that the lost might find a saviour. We want to be Hope Baptist Church, not just in name, but in nature too. We will be a church, therefore, which positions ourselves in such a way that the Lord will use us mightily to add to our number. Mission will be part of our DNA. Gospel proclamation will be at the forefront of what we do and who we are about. And hear me this morning, I recognise that what I'm saying might sound scary to some, it might sound unsettling to some, and my challenge for you this morning, if what I'm saying sounds a little bit unsettling, is to embrace that feeling today, and to give it to the Lord, and ask him to show you the vision, where you can be part and play your part. As a church, we will come back together, we will regather We will reflect on everything that we've been through in these last 18 months and we will seek the Lord together who he is calling us to be in this next season. And we'll be willing to embrace whatever he calls us to be and wherever he calls us to go so that the many might come to know him. And my challenge for us all today is simple. What is God calling us to do to make it possible that we're positioned for this next season. For some, it may well mean your time has come to simply reconnect. Over this last season, you found yourself in hibernation. You've not really connected with others and you've not really connected with the church. God may be saying to you today, come on, wake up, O sleeper. It's time to go again. It's time to recommit and reconnect once again that I might use you mightily. For others... It may be that God is calling you to open your eyes to the opportunities that there are to serve him in the location where he has put you and where you're living. Maybe that starts with prayer walking your location and the houses and the streets around where you live and asking God to open your eyes to the opportunities for gospel outreach. Maybe God is calling you to start connecting with others from hope in your location. Every location in Plymouth, as those maps represented, there are groups and clusters of people who live very close together. Maybe God is saying to you, seek those people out and pray together. What is it that God is calling you to do missionally in your area? There are opportunities there. I want to finish by reading two passages of scripture out 
from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43 and verse 19 says this, and we've touched on this over the course of the weeks and the months gone past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. And Isaiah 54 verse 2 in the message puts it like this. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Church, in this next season, as this unique opportunity for us comes, where we can say, God, without everything that's gone before, what are you calling us to do in this next season? Let's be open to embracing the mission that he is calling us on. Knowing that he is the ultimate evangelist, the Lord added to the number daily, those who are being saved. And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who was poured out on that group of 120 people is the same Holy Spirit that we have with us today and who empowers us to live as he calls us to live for the sake of the lost. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Father God, we do thank you for your church. We thank you for everything which has gone before. We thank you for the success of many, many ministries here and in your church in the UK and across the world. But we also recognize that at times, Father God, we all fall into the trap of playing church. We all fall into the trap of trying to make sure the show is kept on the road. And as a result, it's so easy to miss what you're calling us to do and who you're calling us to be. Lord, this morning, I want to pray for the lost of this city. I pray for those that might be walking past this building right now and and even our homes who don't know you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us in such a way that we can position ourselves to be used by you. Lord, we long to live lives which you call us to live. And we pray that this time next year, when we're looking back, that we will see many added to our number who don't know you, who have bowed the knee to King Jesus for the first time. We do pray, Lord, for this baptistry in front of me. Lord, our heart's desire is to see it opened and used again and again and again and again. We believe, Lord God, that through Jesus Christ, the church is the hope of the world. So Lord, Holy Spirit, empower us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.